Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, friends and fam? Good to see you guys today. My name's Nathan. If I hadn't had the chance to meet you, I get to serve as one of the pastors here. For everybody joining us online, thanks for crashing a party. Uh, this is the last installment of the, the miracles uh, portion of Luke that we're going to look at. And um, next week we start parables. Uh, I love the way that Jesus told stories. Jesus was a storyteller and uh, loved to pull people in and engage people like that. That's why everybody loved to listen to Jesus uh, because he was such a, such a great communicator and a storyteller. But, but listen, we can't close down the miracle series without talking about the, the greatest miracle uh, of all time. Now, caveat, I think the greatest miracle in the Bible is Jesus resurrecting. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Got its own holiday. So like, that's, that's a good one. But if we're talking about the miracle that gets talked about the most, the most mentioned in the Bible, then it's this one. Uh, this is the only miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, there's, there's only three things that appear in all four of the Gospels. Uh, the first is Jesus' first day in ministry, when he kicked off his ministry in Galilee. That's found in all four of the Gospels. It's kind of like when your kids go to school on the first day and you make them stand on your front porch with a little sign. It's like first day of fourth grade. Like that's what God made Jesus do. Like first day of ministry starts in Galilee, found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the second one is the Passion Week, right? Starts in, in Good Friday, uh, or I'm sorry, starts in Palm Sunday, goes through Easter Sunday. That's found in all four Gospels. And then this story, this is the story. This is the, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, you don't have to have gone to church for very long. Maybe, maybe you're not a church person at all, but you've probably heard the story of the feeding of the, the 5,000. Let me set the stage for you. Jesus' ministry exploding. I mean, people are coming from everywhere just to hear Jesus preached. Guy is an incredible communicator. He can challenge you and inspire you and, and, and push you to become better all in one sermon. He's doing miracles and, and healing people. That, that draws a crowd. And, and on top of that, like, Jesus is just an overall good dude. Like, he's a good guy to be around. He loves people and he's kind. And, like, you're better as a result of getting to hang out with Jesus. And so no wonder, like, thousands of people were coming. Well, Jesus rolls up into this one town called um, Bethsaida, and uh, he's doing some ministry there, wakes up in the morning, preaches, and the Bible tells us that as he's in, like, the middle of nowhere in the sticks in this town of Bethsaida, thousands of people begin to come see him. Thousands of people, they just want a glimpse of him. Like, can I just give him a high five? Can I hear him speak? Can I see him with my own eyes? This is like Jesus is viral at this point in his ministry. And so 5,000 people show up just to, just to figure out if they can get a glimpse of Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 12. Jesus obviously doing ministry with his 12 disciples. And the 12 disciples, like they're, they're trying to figure out from Jesus, what's our next steps? Uh, what's, what's next? What are we doing? What does the rest of the afternoon hold uh, for us? Just trying to figure out their next move. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 12, here's what it says. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and they said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a really remote place 
right here on the countryside, the hillside of Bethsaida. I, I don't know if the disciples are just tired, like they've been out in the sun all day long, no shade, no break. I don't know if they got hungry or not, and they're get, like they see Jesus on the other side of the hill, and, and Jesus is preaching like he's getting after it, and probably it was Peter was like, we got we to get something to eat. Like it's time. We, we got to tell the people they need to leave. Tell the people they got to go home because we got to go catch this reservation where we're going to eat tonight. Like, let's go, Jesus. Speed it up. And, and so they're, they're asking him, what's next? When are we going? Are, are, are you ready? But in the book of John, we see Jesus actually ask a question. It's not recorded in the book of Luke in his story, but, but John tells us a question that, that Jesus asked specifically to one of the disciples named Philip in, in John 6. He says this, when, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Philip, uh, where, where shall we buy some bread for these people to eat? He asked him this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Uh, Jesus asked Philip because Philip is actually from Bethsaida, uh, this hometown boy right here, born and raised in this area. So if anybody knows where a good golden corral or a chicken joint is for all these people to eat, it's going to be Philip, right? So Jesus turns to Philip and says, Philip, you're from this area. You know what's going on. You know all the hot spots. You've been to the diners, drive-ins, and dives around here. Where can we take these people? These people need to, to get something to, to eat. Um, he, he turns to Philip and asks that part. Part of the interesting part about this to me is that Jesus even asked Philip the question. Uh, because if you know anything about Jesus, like Jesus could have done this miracle without the disciples. But Jesus obviously wanted to do something through the disciples. They, they wanted the disciples to come and help. Did you know that Jesus could have taken every rock in that field that they were in and turned it into bread? Even Satan knew that. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, he fasted and, and, and Satan appeared to him and he tempted Jesus. And, and what did he say to Jesus about the bread? He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I know you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. Why don't you just look down at that rock and, and tell it to turn into bread and, and you can have something to eat? Like, why don't you flex your muscle a little bit? Why don't you show your power in that? So even Satan knew that, that Jesus could do that. And so if Jesus wanted to, he could have just looked at all of the rocks in the field and be like, you know what, these people need some bread, they're hungry. So just like started pointing at rocks, all of them just turning into bread. Like, just, hey, bread for everybody, right? You get a bread, you get a bread. <laughs> Throw back to the Old Testament, right? Remember when God wanted to provide bread for his people? He made the bread rain down from heaven. Like they woke up in the, in the middle of the, in the, in the morning and they went outside and bread was all over the ground. If God, if Jesus wanted the people to have a meal, he could have done it without the disciples. So there had to have been a reason why he was, was asking them that. He, he invited the disciples to be a part of the miracle. Now why is that? Because sometimes when God wants to do a miracle, he asks you and I to be a part of it. And we get to be a part of meeting the need. Like God doesn't need you for anything. But sometimes the invitation presents itself to be a part of God's great plan to do something in, incredible in his life. So he turns to Philip and said, Philip, where, where are we going to get this, this food from? Well, the disciples in the book of Luke, they're putting the heat on Jesus. We're like, send them home, send them home. Not our problem. Send them home. What are these people going to do for dinner tonight? We don't have any, we don't know. Jesus, just send them home. Here's what Jesus did in, in verse 13. He replied, will you give them something to eat? Won't you, they're hungry? You want to send them up? Won't, won't you feed them? 
Jesus is communicating something here to his disciples that, that I, I don't, I don't want to miss. Philip in John looks at him and says, there's, there's no way that we can do this, like send them home. In, in Luke, it says, send them away, send them somewhere else. But Jesus is trying to educate his followers in something that he, I don't want you and I to miss today. Um, the, the, the expectation for followers of Jesus is this. When we see a need, we meet a need. Jesus was compassionate. The disciples looked at Jesus and it was like, not our problem, right? They looked at the crowd and was like, God bless you. You got a need? Man, I'm going to throw a prayer up for you. I'm going to pray for you and I I hope that God will meet that need and keep me posted. And they might have walked away even feeling bad, saying, man, I hope somebody somebody meets that need. I hope somebody helps them. Oh, man, a need, man. We should take a minute right now and pray and ask God to meet the need. And Jesus is like, you meet the need. If you're going to be a follower of mine, this is what it looks like. See a need? Meet a need. See people that are hurting, have compassion on them. Like, don't think somebody else will do it. Like, you don't need to pray about it. Like, just do it. Just meet the need. He looked at at his disciples and said, this is what it looks like to follow me. The disciples in verse 12, they were like, somebody else will do it. Surely somebody else will sign up. Surely somebody else will meet the need. And Jesus is like, you do it. You, you, you give them something to, to eat. And in, 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 the, in these verses, you can tell by the disciples like, like what, they, what they said and how the disciples and Philip responded in the book of John. Uh, what, they, what, they, what they said at the end of, of those verses in John, Philip looks at Jesus and says, you need, you need to send them away uh, unless, uh, unless you have enough money, uh, unless you want us to pool our money together and buy something for these people. Because <laughs> in the book of John, Scripture tells us that, that Philip throws this comment out that says, man, it would take seven months' worth of wages to buy enough food for these people. Philip, you, know, you got to like the disciples. He throws a little sarcasm in here. He's, Jesus is like, why don't you feed him? And Philip's like, why don't you feed him? That's why I like you, Jesus, man. This guy's got jokes, man. Why don't you feed him? You know how much money he would take? Yeah, let me pull this treasure chest out right here with all this money we got. Yeah, why don't we feed him? And let's just say, let's just say, Jesus, that we had seven months worth of our salary pooled together to feed these people. You see a store around here? You think Best Seda's got a Costco? No, we, there's not enough store in here. Like, all right, let's just say, G, let's just say we had the food for it. Where are you going to cook it? You know how many pots you'd have to have to cook soup for 5,000 people? Not going to happen, Jesus. If you don't think that's a big deal, like on your way home today, swing by McDonald's, go up to the clown's face at the drive-thru and say, hey, I want 5,000 McDoubles and see what they say to you. Jesus rolls up to these disciples and said, well, you feed them. F- figure out how we can do 5,000 bowls of soup or 5,000 McDoubles or 5,000, I don't know, like figure it out. You, you feed them. And the disciples obviously was like, man, Jesus, what are you talking about, bro? There's no, there's no stores here. There, there's no, no one can handle this. We don't have the prep. We don't have the team. Twelve guys going to provide food for 5,000 people? Like, Jesus, it, it's, it's, it's impossible. See, Jesus was asking them something that Jesus already knew was impossible. But he wanted to test them. See, the book of John says Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he said this in order to, to test them. And those disciples looked at Jesus and was like, bless your heart, Jesus. Like, you don't understand how this stuff works. You don't understand what it would take in order for us to do this. And, and he, he laughed it off. And even if we had everything that we have, Jesus, we just can't do it. It's, it's impossible. 
verse 14, about 5,000 men were there, Scripture tells. Now, scholars tell us that was just the men. So even though this is a, a parable that's, or a miracle that's called the feeding of the 5,000, realistically, they say many of the men that were there would have been married. Most of the men there would have families with them. So really, we're talking about a, a, an area with about fifteen to 20,000 people coming to, to hear Jesus. There were 5,000 men there, but, but here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples, distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Luke's story tells us that they had five loaves and two fish, but where did it come from? Well, you got to go to John's story to figure out there was a, a little kid who had a lunch. Little kid, 5,000 people, nobody brought anything with him except this little boy scout right here, always prepared, shows up and brings his lunch. He's got one lunch, five loaves of bread and, and two fish. And the, the, the boy would have given his lunch to the disciples. And the Bible says that, that Jesus took what the little boy had and he ended up doing something miraculous with it. I want to challenge you with something this morning, a thought that's been running through my head this week as I prep this message uh, I want to ask you, starting tomorrow, that, that you're going to wake up every morning and you're going to pack your lunch. And I'm not talking about putting a sandwich in a bag so you can save some money instead of having to go out and, and get something out. I, I'm, I'm talking about being the type of people that are going to, to look at what we have every morning and say, all right, God, here's my time. Here's my resources. Here's every appointment I have today. Here's every person I'm going to interact with, all the conversations, all the emails, all the texts, all the phone calls. God, all of it, I'm going to give to you. Whatever you want to do with it, I'm going to pack my lunch and God, my life, I'm going to bring it to the table and say, God, however you want me to use it, however you want to take it and impact people, God, God, I want my life to matter. I want to make a difference. And so I'm going to make a decision now, I'm going to pack my lunch every day and give it to you. And I'm challenged by this because do you know what the boy had in his lunch? Five loaves and two fish. And what did the boy give to Jesus? Five loaves and two fish. All of it. Oh, man, I'm so embarrassed about the amount of times that I had five loaves and two fish, and I looked at Jesus and said, you can have a half a fish and one loaf, but that's all. I'll give you a taste. Like, I'll give you a cut of it. Like, but this is mine. I mean, I packed my lunch today. This is my lunch, Jesus. You should have you packed your own lunch, and then I pat myself on the back for taking everything that Jesus gave me and only giving him part of it back. I want to be a type of guy that packs his lunch every single day and takes everything I have and says, all right, God, it's yours. However you want to use it. My calendar, my, my attitude, my words, my finances, my relationships, everything about my life, God, here. I'm going to pack my lunch and I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to do something with it. That's the only way your life's going to make an impact. It's the only way you're going to be a part of a miracle. Is if you just say, all right, God, here. Everything I have is yours. You do whatever you want to with it. Little boy brought his lunch, gave it, gave it to God. Take my lunch. Make a decision now. Every day you're going to pack your lunch. And you're going to give God what you have. These guys came up with this one lunch, didn't seem like much, but Jesus used it to make a difference. I want to leave you with three things that I learned from this text 
um, that, that, that I think can really push us to see what God was doing here in this, this miracle. Here's the first thing to jot down. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've made excuses on this one. But here's the first thing about this miracle. Um, not enough in the hands of the right person is more than enough. Not enough in the hands of the right person is more than enough. Sometimes I scratch my head. I don't mean this irreverently, um, but sometimes I scratch my head when Jesus asks what I, what I think of as dumb questions. <laughs> and Jesus asks a, a dumb question to the disciples here. How are we going to feed all these people? We're not. <laughs> like, what do you mean, how are we going to feed all these people? We, we've already gone through it. What do, what do you mean? We can't feed all of these people. Like, there, there's not a restaurant in town that could accommodate fifteen to 20,000 people for one meal, Jesus. There's, there, like, send them home. There, we cannot do it. But he asked what was a something of us as a, a dumb question because he wanted to teach the disciples something. You know what the answer to the question was? We can't. We can't. It's impossible. And see, that's the design of miracles. The, the miracles are designed for us to look at what we have and not look down, but to look up. Hey, man, we've got an impossible situation that we're facing right now. You can either look at what you can do, or you can look at your not enough and give it to God. And the disciples were like, all right, well, five, five loaves and two fish. Uh, here you go. What can you do with it? And what started out as not enough in the right hands became more, more than enough. What's the significance between the five loaves and the two fish? They're like, is it 52? Is that like 25? Is it five minus two? Like, who picked those numbers? The reality is that the numbers don't matter. What the disciples were saying is we got five loaves and two fish. Do the math equals not enough. That's what we have. We got a little, but not enough. And that's you. Your faith is a little, not enough. Your, your funds, little, not enough. Your time, when you look at your schedule, a little, not enough though. And Jesus says, watch what happens when not enough in the right hands becomes more than enough. You got problems, give it to Jesus, and it's problem solved. You got hurt, add Jesus, and you have healing. You got addiction, you add Jesus, you get freedom. You got broken marriage, you add Jesus, you get hope. You get lack, you add Jesus, you get excess. You have emptiness, you add Jesus, you get overflow. It's interesting how when you look down in your hands and realize not enough in the hands of the right person is always more than enough. Five loaves, two fish, what happens? Jesus puts his hands on it and everybody eats. Everybody has enough. And that's an incredible foreshadowing in our life because I'm telling you, until you find Jesus, you will never have enough. You will never be satisfied. You will never be fulfilled. There will always be a hole in your life that you're trying to fill with other things. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will bring me happiness. Maybe this will bring me oldness. Maybe this will fill the gap. And you've got to understand, never, and you're never going to have enough. But the good news is, never enough in the hands of the right person is more than enough. So take your five and take your two and put it in Jesus' hands and watch what he does with it. Pack your lunch every day. And give that to God and watch how he changes it. Man, I don't know what you're starting with today, but I can promise you this. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. But what you start with isn't what God finishes with in your life when you give it to him. Little boy gives five loaves and two fish, gives it all, packs his lunch that day, is faithful and obedient to give it to God, and Jesus makes something happen with it. Never enough in the hands of the right person is always enough. Number two is this, um, focus on what Jesus can do, 
not on what you can do. I like to do this, man. I like to make excuses and, and talk about all the things that I can't do, all the things that I, I, I don't do. And so, well, my little bit, you know, it's not going to make a difference. I, I can't do it, so I might as well not even try. There's an important detail to see in these verses in, in John chapter 6. Um, the Bible says that Jesus was asking Philip the question just to test him, just to test him. Jesus already had a plan. And I believe every day God asks us questions, not because he needs an answer to them, because he wants to test us. Not because he doesn't have a plan, but he wants to see what your plan is. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to lean on me? Are you going to put your faith in me? Are you going to be obedient to do what I tell you to do? Or are you automatically going to begin to look down at what you have and realize, nope, can't do it, don't have enough? No, I don't have enough. I can't do it on my own. God already had a plan. God, Jesus knew five loaves and two fish was not going to make it happen. That alone was not going to feed 5,000 people. Yeah, but the disciples are like, yeah, but Jesus, for real, though, we only have five loaves and two fish. We don't have enough. Oh, well, Jesus, we, there, there's a lack. Oh, Jesus, it doesn't make sense. Oh, Jesus, I'm doing the math, and it's, it's not adding up. What you're telling us to do doesn't, doesn't make sense. And Jesus is like, yeah, it doesn't make sense on your math. But I'm not asking what you can do. I'm asking what I can do. Like, I can do it. Just, just put it in my my hands. God, the need is so big and I'm only just one person and I only, I only have a few hours a week and I only have a limited amount of income. And God's like, yeah, I'm not asking you to meet the need. I'm asking you to be obedient. I'm asking you to be faithful. The disciples looked to Jesus and said, Jesus, um, we don't have enough money. Uh, we, don't, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough grocery stores. We don't have enough restaurants. We don't have enough skill to do it. You want to know what the right answer was when Jesus asked Philip, I want you to feed him. Where are these people going to be fed? The right answer is this. Jesus, it would take a miracle to do this. And I'm glad you're here. We can't do it, God. This right here is going to take a miracle. So Jesus, it's up to you. That's the answer. Jesus would live like, bingo, you got it. But they didn't. <laughs> they started making excuses. They started looking at what they had and realizing it's not enough. I can't do this on my own. I have not enough. And that was the line that they continued to give Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, you, you totally missed the point. I'm not asking you to meet the need. I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to pack your lunch every day and bring it to me. I'm asking you to take your not enough and put it in my hands so that it'll be more than enough. So many times we get focused on the stash instead of the source. The disciples are like, oh, five fish, five loaves, two fish. Here's our stash. Here's all we have, Jesus. It's not looking good. Can't do it. Like, you might as well not even tell these people that. Man, if we tell these people that, that we're going to feed them and we got five loaves and two fish, there's going to be a riot out here. Jesus is not interested in, in what you can do. He's interested in what, what he can do through you. Last thing is this... Uh, you don't have to know everything to do something. You don't have to know all of the answers to take the next step. You don't have to know all, all the things to do something. See, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples this lifestyle that when we see a need, we meet a need, and we help others, and we show compassion, and, and, and our eyes are open to the needs that are, that are around us. Man, be generous, provide for people, live your life open-handed. And, and I love how the disciples obeyed what Jesus said, even when they couldn't explain it. Because Luke tells us this, Jesus looks at him and says, all right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to start breaking the people down into groups of 50. 
And if I was there, I would have looked at Jesus and said, why are we doing this? When we break them into groups of 50, where's the food? Like, are we just breaking them into groups of 50 so it won't be 5,000 angry people? There'll only be groups of 50 people that are angry? Like, where's the food? Jesus like, show me the food, tell me the plan, and then I'll break them down into 50. Because I'm wasting my time trying to organize these people. You ever tried to organize people? It's like herding cats, man. It's like, all right, everybody break up. Come volunteer on student ministry on Wednesday night with, with middle schoolers and figure out, like, all right, you guys break into three groups. It's like pandemonium in there. Like, I want to be with my best friend, and oh, if I'm not on the team with my boyfriend, I'm going to be hurt. I'm broken. I love him so much. And you're 12, and, like, get over it. And, like, so he's like, five thousand. It's a hassle to break people into 50, especially since we don't have no food, Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, the disciples say, okay, you want them in groups of 50? Okay, we'll break them into groups of 50. Jesus says, tell them to sit down. You want them to sit down? <laughs> Is that so we can run and we get a head start? Like, <laughs> all right, everybody sit down. Sit down. And Jesus began to, to take what started out as not enough, and he put it into his hands, and it became more than enough. Um, sometimes what we read in Scripture that Jesus calls us to seems unreasonable. It seems far-fetched. It doesn't make sense on paper. And Jesus is simply asking if you're going to trust him. Will you trust me? And will you, will you put your faith in me? Will you understand that, that being obedient is all I'm asking you? I'm not asking you to feed 5,000 people. I'm going to do that. I've got a plan the whole time. I'm just asking if you'll say yes. I'm just asking that even though you don't know what the end destination is, if you'll follow me along the journey. I'm just asking if you'll take the next step. Would you move forward? Even if it's a small step today, would you take it? Even if it's just something weird like sit down in groups of 50 and, and separate them and, and, and make sure they're, they're seated so that I can meet the need. That's, that's what Jesus did, man. Some of the things that Jesus calls us to don't make sense. He says to go, to give, to do, to be, to, to help, to serve, to live your life open-handed. And the simple question is this, are you going to do what he says? without knowing how it's going to work out in the end, without having all of the details. Thank goodness, man, these disciples said, all right, everybody sit down, groups of 50. Sat everybody down. In verse 17, there's a couple of details I don't want you to miss. Because he says, when Jesus fed the 5,000 people, which is really about 15,000, 20,000, and he says, everyone ate, and I love this word in the book of Luke, he says, everyone ate and was satisfied. Satisfied, the word means they, they could not eat anymore. Couldn't eat anymore. Uh, I was speaking recently at an event in, at a conference in Florida and I traveled with a buddy of mine named Rob and the host of this conference took us out to this really nice restaurant, really, really swanky steakhouse. And we sit down and there's appetizers and bread and salad and lobster biscuits there. And, and, and then it's time to order. And of course your boy ordered a 22 ounce bone-in ribeye cooked medium rare, just the way the Lord would want us to eat it. It was so good. And at the end of the night, the waiter came out and said, hey, I want to bring a, a dessert menu out to you. And here's our special. We got, we got a bananas foster today with some, with some homemade salted caramel ice cream. And we, we, we flambe the, the bananas foster's table side. And the buddy I was with, Rob, was like, man, I could not eat another bite. Like, I'm so full. And I looked at the dude and I was like, bring the flambe out. <laughs> Your boy's got to eat. Let's go, man. Let's go. But everybody else at the table is like, man, I'm satisfied. Couldn't eat another bite. 
And that's the word that the Bible uses for the 5,000 men and women that were fed with Jesus. No, seriously, man, cannot, cannot eat another bite. I'm, just, I'm, I'm totally satisfied. I'm telling you, you will never be satisfied without Christ. Never. You will always want for more. You will always be hungry for something more that this life cannot offer, that can only be found in Jesus. But when Jesus got done with it, everyone satisfied. One more detail I love that, that Luke threw in there is, is this. Did you, did you catch that? Uh, they were doggy bags. The Bible said that there were 12 to-go boxes. That when they gathered up everything that was left over, 12 boxes of food were left. You want to know why there was 12 boxes of food? Because at the beginning of the story, there were 12 disciples that were convinced that they didn't have enough. And Jesus wanted each one of them to walk away saying, when you, when you mix never enough in the hands of the right person, you'll have leftovers. You'll have more than enough. Can you imagine those disciples walking away from those 5,000 people that night, each carrying a bag of food in their hand? You're like, man, what just happened? <laughs> what is this? Jesus didn't want it to be missed on any of the disciples because here's what I've realized about this. This story is not a story about a miracle that fed 5,000 people. This story is about Jesus trying to teach his disciples something. He wanted them to, to walk away. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 probably should have been the miracle of the 12 to-go boxes. That's what I would have called it. Nobody asked me when they were writing the Bible what to call it, but that's what I would have called it. The miracle of the 12 to-go boxes because Jesus taught his disciples that not enough in the right hands will always be more than enough. He taught them, don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what Jesus can do. And that you don't have to know everything to take your first step and do something. Just take the next step. Pack your lunch every day. Give it to God. And say, God, I want you to do something. I want you to do the miraculous. I want my life to matter. I want it to count. So take what I have and do something with it. And watch how God blesses your life. Watch how God does more than you could ever dream or imagine with your time, with your talent, and your treasure. Walk away with a to-go bag full of God's blessings in your life when you learn the three things that he was trying to teach his disciples. Let's pray together. God, thanks for this lesson. Thanks for inviting us to be a part of the process. You, you could meet every need in this city with the snap of a finger, but instead, you invite people like us to be a part of it. You let us be the middleman and being compassionate towards people that are hurting physically and emotionally, mentally and relationally, and most importantly, people that are searching for something spiritually. People that recognize they have a void and a hole that can only be filled by one thing. And for many people, they don't know that one thing because they're trying to fill it with everything else right now. And into that dark world steps the light. And his name is, is Jesus. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we have just heard and the boldness that even though we don't know everything, that we can do something right now and take our next step towards you. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.